Being deeply committed to transforming the way we approach clinical trials with the goal of bringing medical innovations to patients faster and more efficiently, our next guest has been a driving force in improving trial design and execution for over 25 years. Jane Miles, Vice President of Clinical Trial Innovation at CureBase, joins us to share the importance of collaborative problem solving and openness to new opportunities that is at the heart of her personal success and what helped lead her to CureBase. She also discusses the integration of healthcare and clinical trials and the potential benefits of data aggregation at scale, leading to more accurate results and avoiding unnecessary tests for patients. Join us as we explore CureBase's exciting journey toward better patient care and learn how you can contribute to advancing the future of clinical trials. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Jane. A warm welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for including me in this awesome opportunity. Well, due to your desire, passion, and expertise to drive innovation into the clinical trial design process, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Jane, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the CureBase team are bringing quality medical innovations to patients faster and through more efficient clinical studies. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Same advice I have given my son since he was pretty little, and that is always start with yes. Don't start with no, because no means you limit what's possible. And yes is not a commitment to do everything that's on the table. But the reason that I think about that a lot is because I just decided to say yes to pretty much every opportunity that came my way. And that led down roads and paths I could never have predicted that really set me up to do what I can now. Oh, I absolutely love it, Jane. A good friend of mine, Nick Atkins, actually, I think he was the fifth episode on this podcast. We're now 200 plus in. He's the founder of the Pink Socks movement. You can find it at pinksocks.life. And he says, yes is where the adventure begins, right? And I absolutely love that. It's always stuck with me. And it's to your point, Jane, it is amazing when you do say yes, the things that can open up to you. And I got to imagine we're going to talk about that today with your work at CureBase, how that came to be. And it is amazing the power of yes. Is that part of your culture at CureBase as well is making sure that we're open up to those opportunities with that power of yes? Absolutely. That is part of the CureBase culture. And a lot of times that looks like how could we solve this together? Sometimes I am the no in the room, believe it or not, like <laughs> maybe this is not the right time to try that, but this is how that option could work. So I'm a yes and person. It doesn't mean that every single idea is going to work, but I agree with Nick, who I have some pink socks in my drawer too. If we start with yes, then we're going to build something together. 
Absolutely. Well, because of our mutual friend, Nick, always telling us that that's where the adventure lies within. Yes, I absolutely love it, Jane. A great way to start this episode is going for the yes. There's power in that. And there's a lot of opportunity for innovation and thinking anew when you say yes. It is a powerful, powerful way to think. So thank you for that, Jane. Way to set us up for this episode. We're going to come back in just a moment and talk about all the great things happening within the CureBase team after we get back from thinking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Jane Miles, VP Clinical Trial Innovation at CureBase. Jane, thank you so much. See, this is what happens sometimes on these podcasts. You start talking, have some fun, and you find out you have mutual friends. I mean, we got to love Nick and the Pink Sox team. They're doing incredible work. So yes, we do love to start with yes, and we're going to talk about that even more with all of your work and how you mentioned saying yes, it led you on this incredible journey. You've had an incredible career within this space. And you know, talk about uh, where, how all of that experience led you to where you are today with CureBase. What's happening with the CureBase team today? Where you and the team see things heading within this incredibly important, fast-changing space with incredible technology that's helping us move forward. Then of course, Jane, how we can help you. But first, take us through that journey. You mentioned the power of yes, took you places you never thought before. Give us a little bit of that journey of how you then came into the CureBase family. Whew, okay. Well, the first yes that I never imagined was I studied pharmacology after my undergrad, and I was all excited about developing drugs. And the first job I got out of university was actually in petrochemicals. But it turns out that was a great yes, because it really set me up to do different analytical chemistry methods and get access to amazing technology. Why was that important? Because I ended up working at a really big pharma company, Eli Lilly, that I would never have gotten into the door without that analytical chemistry background, even though it was a very different use case. The other reason that was an important yes was because I learned saying yes helps you learn what you don't want to do. Like I loved learning what I did, but I knew this was not my life's work. Yes does not mean you're destined to stay on the path. It helps you clarify what's the next step. So we keep going. I end up doing clinical trials with Lily and doing global clinical trial monitoring and design, data locks and submissions. Learned just a whole bunch. Loved it and evolved my career over time by going from a big U.S.-based pharma to a tiny Canadian CRO to a big European-based pharma to a tiny Canadian biotech. Was that all in the plan? Heck no. That was a series of yes. 
And what was really great about that was really getting to work across the whole ecosystem from different points of view. And then I landed at Genentech, which was sort of a dream job. I had actually heard about it in my fourth year undergrad and was like, wow, they are doing the most innovative things I've ever heard of. And then one day I got to work there for 18 years, which was a whole series of yeses. People think, why would you stay at a place 18 years? I'm like, well, because actually, A, the organization, the entity changes every two or three years with leadership changes, typically. B, the nature of the portfolio shifts as different gates get opened or closed based on what happens in the molecule decision making. And C, as you're changing that portfolio, you have to go find new partners. So you learn a whole lot of more things about the ecosystem and how it works. I was working mostly in hematology and then solid tumor oncology, running trials, designing trials, working with big collaborative groups, working with big pharma partners and going through the submission process. So the thing I never dreamt of, Mike, was I ended up being the project manager for the submission for what turned out to be the biggest revenue generating approval at Roche ever. I'm like, who knew? Was I expecting that? No. Was I gifted with that? Absolutely. And partly because I got to work with brilliant minds who taught me so much about not just the science, but also the leadership qualities it takes to drive something that big and have people want to sign up to do it again. So then I left Roche for about 10 years while I was at Roche, a little under 10 years. I focused a lot more on patient recruitment at the portfolio level and then what I call patient-facing innovation and taking data sets from out in the world and helping to drive First, the strategy on where might trials fit or not fit based on standard of care and the practice of medicine and also the clinical trial infrastructure. So that was a global look at data. And then after we had started to think about the strategy of where, it was the execution of how. And all of these new technologies were starting to become available, but we at Roche had not yet tried them. So I got to do this sort of interesting dual role working with an innovation function within the clinical trial portfolio. And the innovation function was at the development level, not in ClinOps. So the culture of that innovation function was say yes and learn. It wasn't that every single thing was going to work. Sometimes we were going to go for fast failures. But that combination of looking strategically at global data and then trying to set up teams to try new innovative methods in the execution of trials was really fun. Sometimes it was also a little hard. Change management is probably the biggest challenge in driving all these things into daily use. After I left Roche, I got to try some of that in a very different space at LabCorp as they were thinking about how do we shift clinical trials using all this data we have available to us from patient testing, which by the way, patients have agreed to share. And now how do we change the way trials are executed using technology in our patient service center and leveraging our diagnostic capability? So I got to do that. And that was super fun because I relearned the perspective of the global CRO and how they're trying to translate what sponsors are asking them to do and sometimes helping sponsors learn what is possible. So Super fun. And then along that journey, 
again, it was one of those, hmm, what if a yes was possible? I was approached by my dear friend Craig Lipset to work on a DTRA initiative. DTRA is the Decentralized Trial Research Alliance, so it's a cross-industry consortium, sort of like Transcelerate. And Craig knew because he had been working on this about as long as I had, so a decade at that point. You know, I was interested. So he said, would you be willing to co-lead an initiative? It's the playbook, like, and how do you actually execute clinical trials in a decentralized model? You're not accountable to do everything you have to lead the team. I was like, well, yes. And how might I help even more? Then Craig invited me to be part of these weekly clubhouse meetings called DCT TGIF DTRA. That is how I landed at CureBase. That, so I am weaving this together by saying, yes, will you come and listen? I actually heard the CEO of CureBase one day talking about how CureBase had executed all of these COVID diagnostic trials, leveraging the COVID testing centers that had been set up at a state level and how we made those testing centers clinical research sites for the diagnostic trials. We at that time was he, not me. But the point was, by showing up in this space, I learned about another DCT solution I'd never heard of. And I'll be honest, I was a little taken aback, a little arrogant, because I'm like, wait, I'm working deep in this. I've never heard of you. And (laughs) Tom, to his credit, was like, yeah, well, we were sort of in stealth mode. So we started to talk and an opportunity came up because Tom Lemberg, who's the CEO, said, it's time for us to get out of stealth mode and to start working with companies like the ones you've worked with. And I need someone who knows how to navigate that space and can advise our internal team and sometimes the people who are curious about what does this look like. So I agreed to come and work as the VP of innovation, which actually means the way I describe it, is being the Lego piece for whatever we're building today. Unbelievable. Some days it's working with the sponsor to say, here's what this means, here's what it looks like, here's how it's different, here's how it's the same. Sometimes it's our internal team saying, eh, we need to do better on X or Y. So it really translates to sponsors in terms of how the trial is going. So that was a long-winded explanation. No, it's absolutely a beautiful explanation, Jane, because it shows how these journeys can take us to where we are today. And if I heard you correctly, and I think I did, there we were in the middle of a global pandemic on lockdown. And like you, I was spending time on that Clubhouse app that just blew up. Everybody was using it because we couldn't go to conferences. We couldn't go and hang out and network. So that was the virtual networking playground, if you will. So if I heard you correctly, you heard the CEO of CureBase on Clubhouse. And then did you reach out to him? Like, were you guys talking in the Clubhouse app and then followed up directly after that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. So I asked him a couple of questions, then I pinged him on LinkedIn, then we had a Zoom meeting. I was literally in my car waiting to pick up my kid because anyway. That's what we did during the pandemic. We had the Clubhouse app in our ear and we were going and picking up children or going to the grocery store. Trust me, I remember those days as well, Jane. Well, we still use Clubhouse for the DTRA weekly meetups, and I'd encourage people who are curious to go check it out because all of the sessions have been recorded for about a year. The topics are really diverse and they're crowdsourced. So last week was, what do you think is going to happen this year in DCTs and clinical trials? And we got into a very interesting conversation about GPT-3. Who knew? Well, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. My goodness, that's just wild. 
So Jane, so with that, absolutely incredible backstory and where you are, how you landed as you know VP of innovation at CureBase. So let's go there now. Let's talk current state. Who is CureBase? So CureBase is a full stack technology solution to execute clinical trials from anywhere. And we also have the services to enable clinical trial conduct. So that means that we're pretty flexible. It means we could build you the tech. Let's say you're a big CRO and you want to try a DCT modality, but you've never built the platform. We could work with the CRO and provide the technical platform for all the data capture, engagement with patients and sites and really enable that singular place for all the clinical trial data to be captured and analyzed. I'm going to back up for one second because back at Roche, when I was working on all these innovations, they were all point solutions. So the big shift is now we're talking about a singular platform. Gotcha. I was pushing out all these point solutions, which were meant to decrease complexity. And ironically, they were increasing complexity because each of the point solutions had different URLs or different ways to access the tech. Well, and Jane, correct if I'm wrong, that was kind of, this is a status quo or just this is the orthodox. This is how we do it, right, Jane? This is just like industry standard might be a little too strong of a, a way to say it, but this is just how everybody did it. Would that be correct? Yeah, except that even those things were innovative. So e-consent was so innovative that there was a whole specific company dedicated to it, whereas now people think it's just the norm. It's not exactly. It's still only 43% of trials even use it, but never mind. We'll get there in a minute. So CureBase can do all the technical stuff and help create the virtual sites. And why is that important? Because our mission is actually to enable clinical trial participation from anywhere. That's a game changer. And it's becoming more and more important, especially with the new omnibus legislation, which now mandates that clinical trials represent the population of impacted patients. So now we have laws that say clinical trials need to include underserved patients and represent the trial population appropriately. Well, let's talk about that really quick, Jane. You brought up something incredibly important for the layperson that may not know the intricacies of clinical trials, which are so important to us, pretty much all of us who, you know, have to take some form of medication. Well, that started somewhere way upstream with a clinical trial. What does that mean, Jane? What does it typically look like for a clinical trial? Is it sets a population in certain areas of the world that can then work with those patients in the clinical trial. And what you're mentioning is that CureBase is really democratizing it, making it available for anyone to participate. Kind of give us for the layperson to understand how does a typical clinical trial work in regards to the population mix? Okay. So clinical trials are essentially experiments using human volunteers. They may be healthy or sick. And thinking back to those portfolio gates, those decision gates we were talking about from the pharma perspective, What you want to do is get enough data to open your next gate to say, yes, this is working or no, the safety profile isn't okay. And in order to accomplish that, the driver was speed. The faster you can go to get us that answer, the better it is for our portfolio. That meant we would take decisions on which countries to include, which sites to include, not just on speed, but speed was a major value driver. And what we're hearing now and seeing in legislation is that's insufficient. We want you to get there as quickly as you can with all the quality in place. And now it's not okay. I'm making this up. If your prostate cancer 
includes 4% African-American men when they have a threefold mortality rate and about a 40% incidence rate. So you don't have to meet the incidence rate with your clinical trial population and participants, but now you're going to need to set a plan in place to show how you will do your best to get a representative trial population in the data set that you use for approval. I could go on and on for days. This is a whole other podcast, but it's an interesting tension between the organization driving for speed, but not always getting data that reflects the population that will use the drug, and the regulators who legitimately are saying, we want to approve new drugs based on data that is actually going to tell us, is it going to work differently in different subsets of our population? That's just absolutely powerful to understand what, how you guys are innovating in the space, you being CureBase. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier. I want to go back to it. You mentioned that CureBase mission is to empower physicians everywhere to enroll patients in the communities where they live. And then you also mentioned that the new omnibus legislation is helping drive that and further that. So with that, though, Jane, that what you just described in regards to legislation pertains to the United States. Is this idea and is this kind of philosophy your mission to empower providers no matter where they are on the globe? Is this something that the market is looking for no matter where you are on the planet, not just the United States because it's being driven by legislation, right? Is this something that providers and clinicians want on a global scale? That's a good question. Regulators do. I'm not sure every provider and physician does. And the reason I say that is Culturally, the practice of medicine is very different in different parts of the world. So the scientific need for a population that's representative of incidents persists. But the way that you access that population might be very different in different parts of the world. So let me give you a more specific example. And I'm going to say I am not an expert on the regulatory processes in China, but I am going to say it's a lot harder to do that in China for a number of reasons. And that isn't to say they're not interested. But actually, there are some very specific regulations and rules around how data flows into and out of China. And genetic data in China is treated as IP, which means that the way that you access that patient population and then where their data goes is radically different. So what I'm trying to tell you is I do think that organizations like CureBase and others in this space are going to try and make this work globally. It's not all going to happen at the same time or at the same speed. Very good. Pragmatic answer to, you know, the realities of how the global markets work and what that means culturally around the world. So thank you for that, Jane. Very, very exciting in regards to the picture that you've painted around CureBase. But let's now also, Jane, take the crystal ball off the shelf, right? This is a space that is being innovated rapidly. Let's grab that crystal ball. You're heading up innovation for CureBase. What do you see in the next kind of two to three, three to five years, not just for CureBase, but for the industry large as well, right? As things continue to move so fast in front of us, how are you seeing things evolving in the next two to three, three to five years, both for the industry and for CureBase? Hmm. I'll start with CureBase. So we're going to continue to grow our capabilities and strengthen our platform for scale, right? But those things are going to be done to align with where we think clinical trials are going as a whole. I think that over the next decade or so, you're going to see a blending of healthcare and clinical trials into something that's much more overlapping. So for example, 
I've been in a number of trials. We could talk about learn by doing, which is a big philosophy of mine, but having enrolled in trials has really helped me understand the processes and the challenges patients face from a different angle. But I'm really interested in how you can take that clinical trial data and make it available to healthcare as a whole, because right now it's all locked down, and then vice versa. How could you use my regular healthcare data as part of the clinical trial? So at CureBase, we often seek people's medical records, but we're still mostly doing a manual review to check whether or not patients meet inclusion and exclusion criteria. What if there was a way, and I don't know that there, this solution exists yet, to aggregate that data across all these different places where it is captured and make it available in a metaverse, if you will, so that we weren't repeating tests on patients who didn't need them, and we were looking for signals that were hidden until you see data at scale. So I'll give you an example. I told you I ran a ton of oncology trials, and it literally broke my heart every time I had to tell a patient, I'm sorry, but we can't accept your bone marrow aspirate, or I'm sorry, you're going to have to have another CT scan, or I'm sorry, I know you had a draw yesterday, but you're going to have to go get another draw today so we can check whether or not your white cells are okay for you to get another round of treatment. That's just wrong on so many levels, but mostly because the patient is fighting for their life. Yeah. There's so many parts where we can talk about how we can innovate and to then better serve at the end of the day. What matters most in all of this is the patients themselves. So couldn't agree more with you on that, Jane. I got another thing that I think is really interesting and it's top of mind because I'm part of a panel this week. I'm with many, many people more learned than I, but it's a panel that is put together through the Office of Science and Technology at the White House. The White House has put together a request for information on how we across the U.S. could create an emergency clinical trial network. And they're trying to leverage the lessons of the pandemic and now be proactive so that if we ever get into a situation like this again, it could be a pandemic, it could be a biohazard event, who knows, how could we actually mount a clinical trial in two weeks? What do we need to put in place? What governance? What sort of data structures? And what sort of site network do we need in order to enable that? But this is another thing that really excites me for a couple of reasons. All these factors that are coming together with regulatory guidance and an omnibus bill and an RFI from the White House mean to me that we have an opportunity to help patients better understand what clinical trials are and how they are helpful to society. That is very exciting and uh, cannot wait to hear how that panel goes. Wow. You know, the thing is, too, is that there's a lot of technology now out there and disruptive technology that can help power and empower exactly what you just described, Jane. We just got to get the right players and the right people in the room to make it happen. So very exciting future that you just described. So let's put this crystal ball back on the shelf for now and let's turn it back to you. Current state, we have an incredible community rallied around this podcast. Love to help our guests out. With that, Jane, what's one problem, need, or question that you and the CureBase team have that our community can be helping you with? I think it's twofold. One is that educational part, helping patients and physicians understand the benefit of clinical trials and how to access them. So that's something that's still not solved despite all of the great efforts of many people. 
boat. Something is still missing. And how might we really help physicians understand how they contribute to clinical trials without it being a massive burden? And it has been a massive burden, let's be honest. I think still 42% of physicians who enter a trial do one and never do another. That's an immense waste because in order to do a single trial, we need to train you on all the good clinical practices that it takes. We need to help you understand the data collection modalities, et cetera, et cetera. So how might we find a way to reduce the friction so physicians will want to participate and we serve those patients who aren't typically in trials while helping physicians feel they're really executing on that mission to help patients find new treatment options. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so for those listeners that are tuning in and want to be able to help and have a place within their work that they're passionate about this, Jane, how do they get a hold of you? Contact points online, social media handles, websites or others. How do they get a hold of you? You can find me on LinkedIn, Jane Miles, or you can write to me, Jane at curebase.com or heck, ping me on Instagram. I'm Stash Gem over there. That's all about yarn, by the way. But I'm not that hard to find. Easy enough. And for our community, just scroll on down into the episode notes to find those contact points for Jane. Also, it sounds like, hey, to head over to Clubhouse as well. I bet you can find Jane hanging out there as well. Again, down in our episode notes, you can find all those contact points for Jane and the CureBase team. Or you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for Jane's episode with all those contact points and a place for you to leave comments and suggestions or feedback or otherwise for Jane and the team. Again, over at passionatepioneers.com. All right, Jane, we have one more piece for you. Then we're going to get you out of here so you can keep causing all that good trouble with your team at CureBase. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? Patients are waiting. Love that. Powerful, short and sweet, but incredibly powerful. Thank you for that, Jane. And I love the dedication, the passion you have, that this is an opportunity that we can continue to move forward. There is no doubt, especially when you go and take yes and let that be part of your journey. So Jane, Thank you so much for being with us today, for taking the pit stop to be on our podcast. It was an absolute honor to spend this time with you today. Again, Jane, thank you for being with us. Thanks, Mike. It was absolutely delightful. Now, I got to make a football call out. Go Niners. Oh, boy. Go Niners. Go Bears. Go Cardinal. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.